I have something brand new that I'm super excited to share with you. It's called the Community Creators Hub, and I've made it just for you. You can search through every episode of this podcast by keyword, download all of my favorite guides and resources, and find all of my recommended tools for community creators. And the best part? It's completely free. Just go to Community Creators Hub, that's Community Creators Hub, H-U-B, dot com to get your free access. As the founder of No BS Women, Corinne Crabtree is an eight-figure membership owner. That's right, eight figures from a membership. In this two-part interview, I am going behind the scenes with Corinne as she breaks down for you how she got to this place, where she is now, and what she sees as the vision and the challenges that are facing her in the future. If you are trying to grow and scale a business of any kind, you are absolutely going to want to listen to this two-part series because Corinne is an incredible leader and business owner. She has so much wisdom and insight that she's going to share. So let's dive in. This is for you, the online business owner who wants to maximize your profit and multiply your impact. I'm Shanna, host of the Community Creators Podcast. I've spent over a decade helping top brands and entrepreneurs create thriving communities that increase their reach, retention, and revenue. This podcast is where I share my best insights and invite you into conversations with the world's leading community creators and cultivators. So grab your favorite mug, fill it up, and let's get started. Hey friends, I have a special treat for you today. My dear friend, Corinne Crabtree, who is a master certified life coach and is the founder of No BS Weight Loss and an eight-figure business owner. We're going to be chatting about business. We're going to be chatting about life and leadership and all the things that she and I talk about all the time inside of her living room that we never share with you. So (laughs) we're giving you a peek behind the scenes, and this is going to be a really good one. So make sure to get out your notebook and take notes because we're diving in deep. Hey. Hey. How are you? I love that we're going to be behind the scenes of my living room. (laughs) I love it. It is because y'all may not know this, but Corinne. She just keeps moving closer to me. And so now we're like five minutes apart. We'll sit in your living room and we'll talk about business and life and all the things that are going on. And all the time, I feel like I am just privileged to have somebody who has had the success that you have had, but also you've done it in a way I tell people all the time, like Corinne is the most generous business owner you will ever meet in your entire life. And anybody that's encountered you in any way knows that. But so I just feel so privileged because you're just so generous. And I'm like, how about we share those thoughts and generosity with all the lovely people? Well, I appreciate it because you have helped our business so much. And I always say like, I just hope Shanna doesn't fire us. <laughs> Do they have to take her from my cold, dead hands? <laughs> oh, I love it. You recently launched a business membership, but I want to give a little bit of background on how you started the weight loss business. Because oftentimes people hear you have an eight-figure business and they forget that this is not your first rodeo. You've had this membership for like 15 years. Now, granted, it did sort of peak right before we became friends, like I think around 2017 or so. Mm -hmm. But you've had this business for a while and this is your calling, your passion. All the time I'm working with business owners and they're trying to find ways to do less in their business or not be as involved in the community. And me being the community person, I'm always a little like, okay, tell me more about that. Even at the stage in business that you are in, still give so much to your business. So can you tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up having a weight loss membership? In 2005, I started losing weight. 
And that was after like a lifetime of struggling. Like I was the girl that was always over 100 pounds. I was always bullied. I just didn't think I'd ever be thin. Finally lost the weight. And I remember I was standing in my bedroom one day and I was tucking my shirt in and I was just smiling. And my husband came in and he said, why are you so happy? I guess because I always looked miserable. I have no idea. (laughs) But I just said, I feel so good. And I looked at him in that moment and I said, most women don't ever feel good. Like it was like one of those clarifying moments when I knew I had not just lost weight, but I had somehow figured out how to believe in myself, talk to myself better, treat myself better. And I wanted it for other women. And I remember saying, I just feel so good. I want to help other women do the same thing. I went off to get an ACE certification. I just (laughs) knew I was going to be a gym trainer because in my mind, this is 2007. I think people forget we were still on MySpace and people actively used Yahoo. Like That dates us all. And I couldn't get a gym job. And it wasn't because they wouldn't hire me. It was because I just literally thought no one would want to work with me. Like I was thin, but I was full of loose skin. I did not look like a trainer. Every day, Logan would go, my son, he would go to Mother's Day out. I had nothing to do. And I thought, well, where do people online hang out that need help with weight loss? And it was the Weight Watcher message boards. Original communities online, those message boards. Yes. And they were the OG. I mean, everybody was there. I would start a thread every day called Ask the Trainer. And before I knew it, like it was very popular because I was just giving it to people. Like, this is what I did. This is how I think. We got to like believe in ourselves. Like I was just ranting every day. And I noticed that because it was getting popular, I was running out of time every day to help people. So I started a free blog. I didn't even know what that was, but I researched. I was like, how do you start one of these things? And I started taking my most popular answers, created a daily blog, had people signing up to read it because I didn't want anybody to miss my wisdom. And then I found a guy online who was helping people lose weight, like writing gym workouts and stuff. And you paid them. I was like, what is this magic? I'd never heard of such a thing. And I asked my husband, I said, you think people would pay me for help? And he said, probably, because they're emailing you all the time. And I put out my first email, 2007, February the 14th on Valentine's Day. And the very first person that replied and said, I'll work with you. Her name was Corinne Wright. And my maiden name is Wright. And I know. Oh, my goodness. And that day, I looked at Chris. I I was like shaking. And of course, she'd pay me $20. I even had to look up, how do you get paid online? I didn't even know what PayPal was. She was my first client and about 20 or 30 people said, I'd love for you to help me. And so then I noticed I had another problem. I had about 20 or 30 people paying me $20 a month. I just thought, I was like, this is amazing. I can go buy some tights. Like, this is going to be great. I was running out of time to help them every day. And so that's when I was like, if we could all be in a group together, because they're all emailing me the same crap every single day. That would be amazing. And so I formed a Yahoo group and I put them all there and we all started talking. And that's when I really realized for weight loss in particular, community is so important. And I was doing a membership without even knowing I was doing a membership. And that's how I started. It was just really grassroots, really simple. I just went to somebody who was doing it well in the market and basically feeding off their scraps. Weight Watchers were not helping people in the forums. They were giving them a place to talk, but Weight Watchers wasn't helping them. And I wanted to be help. 
And so that's how I started. And then about for 10 years, that's how I did it. It was on the back of free crap that I could find. I designed all my own websites. I was out late. I was OG lead pages in the beginning, like everything. I did it all by myself. And this is way before like you could just go to a guru who has a course. No. And then it's amazing because there's all these people that pay thousands of dollars for these courses and they're basically handed a blueprint and they still don't do it. Right. And yet you just took one step after the other, figured it out, right? Like you were. I just kept thinking like every day, even from the beginning when I was doing it for free, I always thought of it like this is my job. This is work. I took everything seriously, no matter if I was making zero dollars or how the money that I make now. But every day I would go and I would think, there's got to be a better way to do this because I wanted to help people and I wanted to help them at speed and I wanted to help a lot of people. And I knew every day I was hitting roadblocks and I was like, all right, there's got to be a solution. Like I got so good at going to Yahoo and figuring out a solution to all of these problems. And I just was not afraid to learn the stuff. I mean, I think that's the only thing that really saved me was I just didn't have fear around learning things. And I see a lot of that in entrepreneurs now. They're so scared they're not going to be able to do something or they're not going to be able to learn it. And I'm like, there is nothing in a business that anybody can't learn. What do you think, like, you talked about just not feeling like you were even the right person to be a personal trainer, and like being insecure about that and then just kind of easing into this idea that you can help people. Like, where do you think you had that shift of, I can do this and people should pay me for this and it's okay to charge for this? Because I feel like a lot of times, I mean, obviously you're a coach, so you deal with this a lot, but I think it's more the mental game that gets in the way of a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the beginning of feeling like, I can't charge for this or I'm not good enough to do this or I haven't gotten enough results to help. What do you think it was for you that helped you kind of get over yourself, if you will, and start taking those steps forward? Well, it took me a lot of years to overcome it. I severely undercharged for years. And looking back on it, how I've kind of thought about it is I was charging based on my self-worth. I wasn't charging based on what all I was given to everyone. And I didn't even know to do that. It was one of those things I didn't even realize I was doing for a long time. Because I started off at 20. The funniest thing I even remembered the other day was at some point, I think it was around 2013 or 14, I had this idea like, I want to help more people. So I'm going to cut my price. So I just went from, then I was $15.95. I had Already and 95 cents, very crucial. And 95 cents. And then I went down to $5.95. I know. Like, I look back and just want to hug little Corinne as she was making that decision. Like, that's the price of a cereal box, Corinne. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, killing it in value every month. But I never went out and got new people. In my mind, I kept thinking, they'll come if it's cheap enough. Instead of, it's my job to go help women know what they need. It's my job to go find them. And that didn't dawn on me. And so just lowering my price didn't give me a big boost in sales because no one was coming. So I really learned through that. But I think in terms of pricing, it was in 2015 when I really started thinking about, I need to make more money to be able to go get more people. Like it really was a transformation for me to think about, I need to charge what this program is worth not what I'm afraid 
I'm not worth. Like there's a difference between your self-worth and what your business value is. And I tell people all the time, it's like, if you have a crappy self-esteem, set that aside when you go to work. Work on your self-esteem. I want every woman to feel better about herself, but do not bring it on the job. Put your business hat on and say like, the business has a voice in this. The business thinks we're worth this. I might think I'm worth this, but separate the two out. Then work on you, but let the business really tell you more about what you should be charging. And you can do that in a thousand ways. Like you can do competitor analysis and all that kind of stuff. But the way I do it now is my mentor taught me this. I first decide what all I want to give. And then I think about, all right, what's the no-brainer price for that? That I know can support the business, support my lifestyle. I know how many people I need to go get. And that's where I start. And I also tell people in some circles, they want you to charge so much money and it freaks people out. So I always say like when you're pricing, start with number one, what could you say to someone you feel good about and it just brings maybe a little puke to the surface? Just a little. Just a little. Like you're nervous about saying it, but you're not frozen because what most people do is they either severely undercharge to escape their poor self-esteem or they listen to a guru severely overprice at such a level that their nervous system can't take it. Yeah. And And then they don't sell well at all. Yeah. And they go in feeling like they're ripping people off or it's not worth it. I like for people, I'm just like, you know, in the beginning, start with a price you're really comfortable talking about so that you can get your reps, you can get some momentum behind you, you can get a little wind beneath your your wings. Then you can raise your price because the hardest thing to do is to lower your price. Yeah. It's interesting because I have a little pet peeve, which is when business coaches tell you to charge what you're worth because I'm like, this isn't about your worth. This is a business. Like You are worth more than anybody can ever pay. You may not believe that, but you are. Mm -hmm. But your business actually has a value and there's a comparative value in the marketplace. And we've talked about this a little bit before, but kind of in the online business space, sometimes you miss some of those basic business principles and you're really passionate about helping business owners and new entrepreneurs, especially to bring those basics of business back into what they're doing, not just think 90% marketing, 10% deliverable, and not think about any of the other financial or operational bits. So I really appreciate that about the conversations that we have. And I know we'll get into some of that. The business was kind of like hanging on this Yahoo group until, what was it, like 2017? I know that was a pivotal year for you. So for you, what was the big difference maker that took you from just sort of growing a little bit here and there to really starting to scale and be like, wow, I can really, this could be a monster business? Well, I think the first thing was, I think I took my business more seriously. When I look at my mindset from the first 10 years, from 2007 to 2017, I didn't think about it as a real legit business. I thought about it as more of like my job. Like I was very passionate about my people. I was working a lot. I was doing the things, but no one had ever told me to set like a financial goal. I didn't go to college. So when you talk about like the foundational business stuff, Well, I missed all of it. Like I had worked in the restaurant industry, but I was like in training and HR and I worked in the restaurant. So a lot of my acumen was not on the books side or the goal setting side. I was usually just told what to do. And then I had to go create and develop and roll out stuff. Well, in 2017, my mentor at the time was the first woman that had ever asked me, like, how much money do you want to make? And I was like, 
what? In my mind, my husband was going to make the money. And I was just like adding juice. The fun fun, money. Yeah, Yeah, the fun money. And I was like, well, what do you mean? And she looked at me and she said, I work with a lot of people. And you're one of the only ones that when I look at your business, it should be making so much more money. And I know you're not making enough. And she was like, you're personable. You care. You create good content. Like people like listening to you. And she said, I don't understand why you're not making more money. And I said, well, I never set money goals. And she said, you can't leave this room until you do. And so I set my first money goal. And I wanted so much to make over $100,000. And next year I come back and I had made like 200 and something. What I did that year was I just went home. Like it just made sense to me. If I want to make $100,000, I need to figure out how many members I'm going to need. It was the first time I ever thought about it. Like I just did basic math. And then when I realized how many members I needed, that opened up the next question. So how do you get those? And luckily for me, Facebook Live had just rolled out. Like there were tools starting to come out. So I remember I was at Social Media Marketing World the day Facebook Live dropped. I walked outside, turned it on and held it at the worst (laughs) angle ever. I think I was on my public page and I was like, I don't know who's watching this. I said, but I'm just trying this new thing and talked for like 15 minutes and about 30 of my members found me because Facebook was pushing it and they were commenting and I was like, this is going to be a game changer. And I didn't know anything other than I was just going to go live a lot. So I started going live a lot, started talking about my membership. But that year, it was the year that I also played with ads. I just boosted posts, like literally didn't know anything. But that year, because I had a goal and I knew how many people I needed, it made me start thinking about all the ways I was going to need to try to get people. I researched more. I listened to more business podcasts. I had always been listening to fitness and health podcasts. I switched gears and started reading business books. I just started educating myself, but I was trying things. And that was probably the big difference was the idea that we should set a goal and work the math backward and then just don't be afraid to try things. It seems simplistic, but you wouldn't believe how, well, I know you believe, how many people don't do that. Yeah. And here you are. And I think it's about six years later, you have a $10 million membership, which is just insane. And would you care to share your profit margin? Because I've done podcasts about this before that I know you've shared with people, especially the seven-figure goal. Everybody's like, oh, let me just get to that seven-figure goal. And I want all the seven-figure plaques hanging up. But behind the scenes, what a lot of people don't know until they get deeper in the industry is that a lot of those people aren't paying themselves. They don't have profit. And it's really important to start with the profit piece. So will you talk just a little bit about that and how that comes into play for you? Yeah. And I think it's so important because one of the things that I do on the business side, I did this on my weight loss side. I think it's what makes me a great weight loss coach is I'm always thinking about how did I do it? What mistakes did I make? How do I teach my people so that they're past faster? Biggest mistake I made, never paying myself until about, I believe it was around 2017. I remember sitting down with a, Chris and I went to our, I started making over $400,000. The guy asked me how much I paid myself. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't know anything about my numbers. I knew how to make money, but that was the area that I was just like not paying attention to. And he said, first, you got to start paying yourself. And he said, second, you need to know your numbers. And then my mentor 
it was not long after that. She wouldn't even let me come back to my mastermind. She said, you can't come back until you know your numbers. Like you need to know them and you got to understand them. And that was before I was making a million dollars. And when I learned numbers and I learned how the business works and I started paying myself, that's when I started making a lot more money. So long story short, we profit at 40%. We're going to do probably right now we're projected to do 14.5 this year. And I'm very proud that we profit at 40%. And then we take a percentage of our profit. We usually do like about 25%. We reinvest into marketing. So we, I just believe in me. I will bet on me every day, but I go out and earn my marketing money. And I think that that is something else that I watch a lot of, especially newer entrepreneurs. There's nothing wrong with waiting on paying for logos and websites and all this other stuff. In the online space, it is easy for us to be able to go earn the money to support the next thing we need for our business. I hate to see people borrow tons of money for websites in the very beginning when they're probably going to change their niche or they're probably going to change their messaging or spend tons of money on like, I'm going to go ahead and pay this person $25,000 and I haven't even made a dollar yet. We all think that that's great, but I think people learn more by starting their business, making yourself make the money, reinvesting it in yourself. I believe it makes you stronger with your self-worth. I think you start proving to yourself like, oh my gosh, I'm smarter than I think I am. I'm more resourceful than I think I am. Like it just gives you a whole different identity to think about. And I just think it builds a healthier business. And I think you should get used to paying yourself in the beginning too. The one mistake I made, I would have made probably more money faster if I had learned how to pay myself because then I would have learned how the money works in my business. And even with that profit margin, I mean, you still pay your team well. You have an amazing team. They're all very happy. They're very loyal. You have a high team retention. At what point did you finally decide you were going to bring on a team member? Because I know I get asked that all the time. I went for a long time because I'm 10 years in entrepreneurship, a long time, just never hiring any help at all. Yeah. It's just me doing all the things because I knew I could and I could do it better than everybody else. Right. Mm -hmm. But at what point did you decide, like, I'm going to need help with this? And I know that was community, right? That was like the first team member that you invested in with somebody yeah. to kind of help in that area. Yeah. Give a little picture of what your team looks like now. It was once that year that I was making a little bit over four, I knew that I wanted to get, I wanted to make 2 million. Well, I wanted to make a million. So I had asked my husband, how much would it take for him to leave his job? I just believed in my dream so much. And he was like, you're going to need to be making at least a million dollars. I was like, okay. And so the next year I ended up making two and he quit literally the next year, a 25 year career. I remember that. It was big. But that year I knew that in order for me to do all the things I needed to do, I needed like somebody else helping me because the membership was growing. As you know, I'm very hands-on with our Facebook group. I'm still in our Facebook group every day. I don't spend hours if any of them are listening, I am always reading. <laughs> like yes, I always tell are. them, and mama's it, never far away. <laughs> and it's funny because, I mean, you have a community team and coaches that are in the group, but you'll still catch stuff before they do. Because I was answering yeah. stuff before we, I came with you today. Yeah. I was just like, I was, my members, they crack up because the newer ones, especially like, oh my God, I didn't think you would respond. I was like, well, who else did you think would? I like to be high touch. But that year, what I realized is, because we were so high touch and it was only me, 
I needed somebody else who could love my members as much as I could. And so I had like certain things. I was like, if I wasn't doing this, I could do like more launches. I could do more on my social. So I hired someone who was a coach. She came on board and she started working the Facebook group, making sure they're well cared for. She helped me with customer service stuff. She did a lot of the little things because I had noticed I was still answering at a million dollars, 90% of our customer service, you know, and that's a lot of customer Mm -hmm. service plus like handling their billing and things like that. Once I got to 2 million, then I had a team of, I had a coach, I hired another community person. So the coach was helping me with calls and she was helping me with customer service. And then I had somebody who was like my assistant who she was doing like, um, editing my, like if I had a webinar, she would edit the video down or she would make my keynotes for me and that kind of stuff. What I love is that the first two hires were fulfillment side where nowadays I think so many people hire on the marketing side first and not on the fulfillment side. But the reality is, is most of us, our zone of genius is marketing. It Mm -hmm. is, and and nobody's going to be able to market and sell our business better than we are, right? right? Our program better than we are. And the fulfillment side often gets neglected. You know, it's one of those things that people don't hire. Now, I get really excited when people come to me and they're like, I need to hire a community manager. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, yes, you get it. But I love that you had that wisdom early on to say, no, I'm doing well with the marketing. I'm the one who cares about these numbers more than anybody. Like, let me continue to own that. But I want to expand the value of what I'm providing by bringing people in who can provide better service anyways, because that's what they do day in and day out. Well, and it's still that way in our business. So we have the two memberships and the weight loss membership, lion's share of the team works there. There's, I think we have 30 employees now. The vast majority of them are all about fulfillment. We have a very small marketing team. We have our marketing teams all in-house, but I'm consider myself chief marketing officer. I have someone who is over marketing and she does like the details and the execution, but in terms of big strategy, I'm still the best seller that we have. I just stay there, but I invest in my membership. I just feel like if you're going to be a membership owner in particular, you got to care about these people and you have to give them what they need. And so I surround them with a lot of that. And then in the business membership, we started it. It's a little bit different of a client, but I still want them to feel like I have everything I need here. They care about me. They go above and beyond. The very first position I hired over there was I brought a coach in. We call her the business development specialist, but she's not in marketing. My job is to get them in. Her job is to help them and keep them. And so she's organizing everything there. She is the one who, she'll let me know like, hey, can you touch all these Facebook posts today? They would love to hear from you on this. Or like, here's the ones I know how to answer Tell me what you would answer this like so I can learn even more. The very first thing I hired on that side was fulfillment. If I had to, most of us who are in the online space are probably going to be like a brand or our face. It's our unique ability that we're like whatever it is that we teach. I do think that we're the best marketers for a long time. I wouldn't be really quick to outsource it, especially if you're good at it. Keep that. It's easier, I think, to find people who want to help you and love on your people. I've just never had a problem finding those people. 
because you focus on that, your weight loss membership and your business one as well, but business is new, right? Mm -hmm. Weight loss you've had for a while and you just have incredible value in there. You have the the training, the courses and things like that that are in there, but the, all the coaching calls that you provide, you have coaches involved in the community. You have the private member podcast. I mean, there's so much that you do. Can you just talk a little bit? Because I know people are going to be in the comments. They're going to be like, but what's her membership structure? What are the deliverables? They're going to ask those questions. So give us a little peek at when we're talking about this weight loss membership, like what is the structure of that membership? What's your price point? I get asked a lot about what you do from a coaching perspective because you have the opportunity for people to have one-on-one -on -one coaches. When you join our membership, it's $59 a month and we don't do any kind of three months, six months. I think about this product and it's a big ask for someone to commit to a year. Like nobody wants to buy a year of weight loss coaching. They're like, I just want to lose weight. So we don't offer those on that side. It's a very intentional reason why we don't do that. On the business side, we're actually going to switch it to where we've only been offering month to month. To me, that seems like more of a business person would say like, yeah, this would take me six months to a year. So yeah. I would like to buy that. So $59 a month, you join, you go through our No BS Weight Loss course. And kind of like what you said, it's like we take them through the course and then we give them a quiz and then they go through their next level courses, which is just once you learn the basics of weight loss, your next level problems arise. You're either going to have habits that need to be broken or you're going to have a crappy relationship with food and yourself. Like a lot of people realize like, oh my gosh, I've been eating all these years because I don't like me. And I have a hard time talking to myself. They have to repair that relationship before they can really get control over the eating. And then we have like other paths. So we have it broken down to where these are the common big obstacles that people are going to face in weight loss once they've uncovered their basics. They work through that. And then we also have supporting calls each week. So on Wednesdays, it's like going to Wednesday church. I basically, we have a monthly either challenge or a focus in the group. And every one of my Wednesday calls is me getting really specific on nuances of it. So like where, let's say you go through the course and you learn how to, that you're supposed to stop eating at enough before you're full. Well, my Wednesday classes might be like, number one might be why we have a hard time with that. The next class might be why we don't like wasting food, why we think we have to clean our plate. So we make the Wednesday calls really tactical and the clients can ask questions. And then on Sundays, I do weight loss church is what mm -hmm. they call it. <laughs> so from 10 to 12, I just live coach people. And so they just raise their hand and I call them up and then we talk back and forth and the whole community can watch. We give them all of our content through private member podcasts. That's a big deal because I mean, you get a lot of people, you have a, a really popular podcast. So having that private member podcast, that's how they've been learning from you for yes. a lot of them. We have like our own planner that we give every member. We also have other calls. We have like how to get into action this week calls. We'll have accountability group calls where we teach them, like we have an accountability program where if you want to partner or a group, we place you and we, we try to teach you like how to run your group. With your help, we just now reinvented it to where... We can keep track of our accountability groups. And if they're getting, let's say someone quits, then we reach out and say, would you like a replacement? Like we're trying to stay. I always like to think I would just want to be one step ahead of my client. Yeah. I want to be like standing there with, I believe you need this. You yeah. Kind of like if you're at a party 
you know, if you don't have a drink in your hand, somebody's going to be walking around with a tray and they're going to come to you. Right. And I want to be like that. I want to always be, our people feel like someone is always offering me something at the right time. Yeah. And we try to do a lot of that in the membership. Okay. So you have the coaching calls, you have the courses that are in there, the private member podcast, the community. Talk a little bit about your podcast and how long have you had it? I know it has played a big role in mm-hmm. your success. So what does that look like? Because I know a lot of people listening have a podcast and doing it day in and day out, but it's not growing. They're not seeing any business come from it. I think I started it in 2017. I'm not 100% sure, but it's we're in the we're closing in on I think episode 300. So however many 300 weeks. So that would be well, that's all like 6 years just yeah. about. Yeah. We've had like 50-something million downloads at this point. I've just been really consistent, done it every week. I post about it every single week. I ask my listeners to share it, like I've been doing that. But, you know, for a long time, it didn't have a lot of traction. But I made sure that because we spend money on ads, if you don't join, then you get pitched listening to the podcast. Like, I don't leave any opportunity on the table to tell people about the podcast and I've also guested on a ton of podcasts. People are usually shocked at how many podcasts I'll actually go on, the size of the audience that I still go on. I just did um, earlier this year, I did 60 something podcast spots in one month. I remember at least three of them because I'd put the word out that I'm going on a podcast tour this month, submit, and if we can get you on the calendar, I will get you in. We had three people start a podcast just so I could be on their podcast because they didn't want, they didn't know if I'd ever do it again. Yeah. And I went on their podcast and they probably had their mother and cousin listening. I love it. I don't know. I just feel like I watch a lot of people at my size have this attitude of there's, I don't know if they're consciously thinking this is beneath me, but it's almost like they think there is things that like, oh, I've outgrown that. I can't do that anymore. And I'm like, I think I'll know when I legit can't do it anymore. But until then, I'm just not leaving any opportunities on the table. So talk a little bit more about that. Like when we zoom out big picture, right? We've talked about a lot of details, but when we zoom out big picture, and this is the stuff that we usually talk about, where's your head out right now with your business? What phase of business do you feel like you're in? What are you looking to shift or change or do differently to get to the next level, or even trying to get to the next level? I definitely want to keep growing. My mission with weight loss is not over. I hate to say it, but I want to put Weight Watchers in the dirt at some point. Love you, Oprah. I still want to have lunch with her. But I love our product so much, and I want to keep growing it. One of the things I just think we do exceptionally well is when people come in, and it's not just the membership model. We do community really well. I feel like our people always Whether or not they stay or not, most people never leave thinking she didn't care. They usually are like, this was really great. Like, I just couldn't do it. It's not the right time in my life and stuff, which I'm always to all my people. There's no shame in your game if now's not the right time. Like, we'll always be here for you. But I have other memberships I'd like to start. I have other passions, problems I think that are happening in the world that I can help people with. And so I think that's the future for us. I think the way that we're going to, I'm like everybody, I have my own big goals in my mind. And a lot of mine do tend to be around business. I love business. I feel like I'm really good at business. I like running multiple businesses. And I also like being with my people. My big goal is to CEO half the time 
and be with my people the other half. And then everything else, somebody else is doing in my businesses. I just love starting them. Even like in our restaurant, Chris and I go, we really care about our employees in our restaurant. And we sit and we think about things we can do for them. We want them to be the best paid restaurant employees. We want people when they come to our restaurant to feel like that sports bar is their home because that's how it's always felt for us. And so I just feel like we do that community that you're a part of us thing really well. And I just want to keep growing that. Yeah, it's funny. A little backstory. Corinne had a date spot that she and Chris went to all the time and they found out it was going to close and they're like, screw that. We're just going to buy it. It's not going to close. So they bought it and they've been totally redoing it. Um, But I saw in the local 411 group for our community, somebody had posted job positionings for, I think like hostess and waiter or something at your restaurant. And the comments were like, oh, but is that without tip? Because the base pay was so high for somebody Mm -hmm. in the service industry. Like people could not believe that that was base pay pay plus tip. And that's just kind of how you operate. How much do you feel that kind of leadership style? How much do you feel like that has played into your success with the business? I think a lot. The one idea that I had to let go of a long time ago was that the business couldn't just be about Corinne anymore. And not because I don't want to be like the face. I love being the face. I mean, let's be honest. I don't mind being on a stage and running my mouth. But it wasn't the best thing for my people anymore. If I want to have thousands and thousands, because we've got like 13,000 members right now. If I want to have 30,000 of them, it can't just be Corinne. It won't be fair to them. And so I needed to start thinking about this team is going to be an extension of me and I'm hiring people and paying them well and teaching them well on how to have their dream job so that if somebody joins our membership, they have a dream. And I tell my team all the time, it's our job to make sure that they can get it. It's our job to clear the path for them to have it. They may not get it, but it won't be because we're in the way. It'll be their choice, but we will for sure give them everything that they need. And my team, I think that they feel like we actually care about them. I mean, and I think that's important. If you want your customers to be cared for, your team has to feel cared for too. And I just really believe that. And especially on the restaurant side, I know that's not really your market, but I grew up in the restaurants and I know how crappy the pay is. And that is the one I think that if you ever want to really learn good customer service, Go work in a restaurant for about six months and you will quickly learn how to be over deliver because your livelihood relies on it. But it's also the most underpaid industry, too. And they're so mistreated by not only employers, but they're mistreated by customers. And it's like it's just not an easy job. And most people who are in restaurants, it's because they're not getting jobs other places. You know, it's either I'm going to college or like the majority of our team two of them are single moms. They need this job. When you have really good employees, lock them in. That's how I feel. I'm just like, make the job and the environment and the pay so good that they would rather lose a kidney before leave you. You put them through a gauntlet, really, to even be able to get on the team because you know that's your mentality. I completely agree with that. I was waitress and bartender at Ruby Tuesday in the mall. I mean, talk about like working a double shift and walking out with like 20 bucks in your pocket and being yes. like, what just happened? But I say this a lot about hiring community managers. I say never hire a community manager that doesn't have any type of customer service or retail or restaurant experience 
because they may think that they love people, but if you haven't worked in that kind of role, like customer service, retail, restaurant, your love for people has not been tested. And it's not been tested. And as a community manager, you often encounter situations where your love for people is really going to be tested. So I think that is, you're right, it's a really great training ground for business, for customer support, for even understanding like rejection and how to earn, how to work to earn the money that you make. Yeah. I often wonder like if that restaurant was where my entrepreneurial mindset really got developed. I would do stuff like I had my niece who is now my daughter. Some people know that story, but my niece back then wasn't my daughter yet, but I would keep her picture in my little flat book thing. And so that people could see this picture of this little baby when I was like waiting tables Mm -hmm. because I learned like, oh, if people don't think I'm just some young high school college kid out here, but they think I'm actually like helping. And I was actually financially supporting her in a lot of ways. I would actually make more money, you know? So I I learned strategies to get better at the job, to position myself better, Mm -hmm. to make more tips. I used to in high school, I was really good at rolling silverware. I mean, like great. In fact, at our restaurant, I'm always teasing them. One of these Friday nights, I'm coming down here, y'all, and I'm going to roll a bucket of silverware and just show y'all how it's done. I love it. <laughs> I just get into rhythm. But I used to tell the servers who hates rolling silverware, and I would stay, and they would pay me five bucks to roll their And I was like, let's Look do it. Because I was always needing money. I was such a hustler when I was in high school. Hey, if you're serious about creating a thriving online community, then you need to really understand the four foundations of every thriving community. I'm going to teach it to you in a free seven-minute training. That's right. It's just seven minutes. You don't even have to give me your email address to get access. All you have to do is go to freecommunitytraining.com or DM me the word training over on Instagram to get access. Hey friend, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe. Then do me a favor and leave a review letting me know what you want to hear more of. To learn more about the show or connect with me, head to shanalyn.com. That's S-H-A-N-A-L-Y-N-N.com. Until next time.